Welcome to the podcast. I'm Candice Boddington, your host, an energy dealer and nutritional navigator in Cape Town, South Africa, and founder of the Bod brand. All you need to do to get started is subscribe, and you can leave the rest in our hands. We're looking forward to sharing this time together. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This morning, I have Pierre Fanamava. He is a representative for Liberty and Stanlib. Stanlib. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about Finance Day, which is something I really wish I had my head wrapped around more when I was growing up. And I still feel like I'm finding my way through the mm. stickiness of finance. Um, we've got a few questions that we'll be answering from my Instagram poll and Pierre will definitely be taking most of this conversation. I'll mm. be asking every now and then. Um, so welcome and thank you thank so you. much thank for you, coming today. Thank you very much. Yeah, super excited. Uh, like I was saying, it's you know I meet so many young people all the time, and it's actually scary how lost people are when it comes to financial planning. It's you know we kind of go through school and university, and we're not even taught the most important things in life, like taxes and budgeting. It's like Scary, scary. And it's not even people that are, you know, it's not even us where we're like between 25 and 30 years old. It's even much older people, which makes it even more scary. There's just no education on this stuff. And I think uh, what I've learned through my five or almost six years of, of being in financial planning, it's scary for people to think about approaching a financial advisor. It seems so like such a big deal. Yeah, you know? am, am I adulting right yeah, now exactly. because I'm doing this? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's such an important uh, tool and uh, uh, kind of life skill to get to get to grips with. Yeah, well, that's why I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, I'm and stoked to be here. Thank you so much. Funny story, Pierre actually used to live underneath Luke and I yeah, when we yeah, lived yeah, 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 yeah. in Kenilworth and then they became our financial advisors. So um I'm talking from experience that it's really important and also you yeah. know what you're talking about. So yeah, it's not like sure. you're just coming yeah. in with some like fun Google facts. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. You yeah. are qualified in what we'll be chatting about yes, today. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we thought we would start with the basics. So yeah. practical ways to start saving and the really basics of financial planning. Yeah, so yeah. over to you. Yeah, so <laughs> it's I think the most important thing to consider when you when you start financial planning is you have to figure out a budget. So a lot of people, um, you know, they kind of think financial planning is like investment and shares and we're going to buy property. But there's so much more like intricate planning that has to go into building a sustainable financial plan. Uh, at the same time, a financial plan doesn't have to be mega complicated. A, a lot of people think financial planning is only for the, the rich you know, and successful, but it's, it, it starts with even 200 rand a month, you know. So when I first meet a client, the most important thing to do is to budget. So even Chanel, my fiance and I, we go through an exercise every few months. We basically print three months of our bank statements and I take different color highlighters and we highlight where we're spending our money. And even that exercise is so so scary because every little 25 rand coffee there and a quick breakfast there it adds up and the next thing you know you could have been putting away you know a lot a lot more money than you initially mm -hmm. planned to so i've got a really great budget template uh, people are welcome to send me a message i can email it to them 
But by printing three months of your bank statements and, and getting this, um, you know, outlining where, where you are spending your money, putting it onto a nice piece of paper that's clear to see, that's the first step in figuring out your income, your expenses, and if you have disposable income available to put towards starting a financial plan. I'm pretty sure that my bank statements looks like a food diary. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, even, I mean, it, I think also we live in such a, like a fast-paced life, especially if you work for yourself, or even if you don't work for yourself, you know, Mr. Delivery and Uber Eats has become easier so than ever. Accessible. And And I mean, Chanel and I, we also like big, you know, we're very guilty of it. And um, a few months ago, I, I actually did the exercise where um, I, I would I would go have breakfast in town every day before my meetings. Like it was a breakfast special, it was 50 rand. And, you know, but that adds up big mm. time, you know. So 50 rand times five was 250 rand. And I decided, okay, I'm going to cut out, I think it was two days a week. And that saved 100 rand each yeah. week, you know. So that's an extra 400 rand that I put towards my little... Uh, investment accounts and there's lots of little ways that you can you know you can you can cut down on on spending habits and and allocate more to to your financial planning yeah yeah i mean i i did that with coffee but it actually wasn't with the intention to save it was Mm. just because i realized i could make better coffee yeah exactly yeah but then i started saving and i was like oh that's yeah yeah i mean even now i came from the coffee shop and it's like 30 rand for, for a flat white and it's like whoa like you know yeah. I think before coffee blew up for example I was just having Nescafe and I could buy a, a big jar for 50 rand would last me like a month you exactly. know so so there's I think as the world has become more um, you know we're finding more luxury luxuries are more accessible now right so yeah. so there's there's a lot of different ways you can kind of pinpoint which one is maybe a bit excessive and, and cut down yeah you know. and not really needed yeah exactly exactly so would you say you have any other tips for the practical ways yeah. of saving yeah besides so, the budgeting yeah so i mean the budgeting will really just uh, pinpoint where you're spending your money and hopefully fi- you'll find that you have some disposable income available because any financial plan unless you have like a massive lump sum a million rand and that's a whole different kind of story you know when you start financial planning you're literally looking for even five and rand a month that you can say to yourself i'm happy to put this five and rand away for x amount of time that is how you start financial planning so by going through the budget you will easily see if that is possible and when you reach that point that that it is possible and finding a financial advisor that you can work with is is of the utmost importance I've got a lot of people that say, oh, I can do it myself. And but will you? Exactly. So That's I think my thing. I, exactly. It's like I, a personal trainer. Like, I, I can work yeah. out with myself, but will you? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and I, I think a financial advisor is not just there to give you advice on the portfolios and all that. It's to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in life, if you don't have certain people that hold you accountable, you're not going to actually get very far. So like the personal trainer thing, I'm the same. Like, I've got a gym contract somewhere. I think I go once a month, but if I train with my personal trainer, I'm diligent every, you know, two days, a, two days a week, and it's become like a habit of mine. Mm. So having a financial advisor is not just there to say, we're going to use this funds, we need this insurance. They're there to, to hold you accountable and to be a, a point of communication when things go sour. So I say to all my clients, I should be the first person to know if anything changes financially for them. 
So finding a financial advisor that you can gel with is, is the most important. You can do it yourself, but it's very, very complicated, the financial world. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think um, as technology expands, then yes, there might be a, a easier avenues to take to do it yourself. But yeah, going with an accredited financial advisor, preferably with a big institution, is very important as well. And why do you say that? Just for yeah, so safety reasons? 100%, yeah. So when I started, um, you know, I had, I had a whole bunch of different providers that wanted to take me on, you know. So from the discoveries to the Sunlums, there was a whole bunch of them. But um, I decided to just stick with, with one. And I've had I have received offers in my last five years of moving and moving my book, and it's you know it's very financially attractive. But you want to be with a company that is reputable. There's a lot of offices that open up brokerages and all that. When you're with a big institution, so I mean just a quick you know history on Liberty. They're part owned by Standard Bank, so the chance of Standard Bank, for example, closing down, it's very unlikely. You know so. As advisors, we, we work in one of the most regulated industries in the world. So to be backed by such a big, stable institution is very, very important. Okay. You know, I wouldn't want to take the risk of investing my clients' money or giving people insurance with no um, professional indemnity insurance or anything like that. Because anything can happen. Yeah. You know, anything. There might be a financial crisis and I've, I'm an independent guy and I've decided to invest in some random fund that isn't very well uh, protected from a capital point of view, and then I lose my client's money. I'm responsible then. So, so that, does that person ever get their money back? So, yeah, there's a lot of different rules and regulations from a compliance point of view, but when we're with a big institution, they, they do cover us. And we're okay. not really allowed to use, you know, funds that aren't, aren't well accredited. You yeah. know? So there's lots of different funds. There's thousands of different portfolios. So... Yeah, you want to just stick to the big reputable companies um, and obviously have someone, a professional that guides you because of the drastic amount of portfolios. It becomes very complicated when you do okay. it yourself. So yeah. simplifying that then, we would get a accredited financial advisor yes. and we would start with budgeting only after we had assessed our own budget and we had money to put away. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Would there sure. be anything else or is that quite a... I think that is, yeah, that's in a nutshell, that is the perfect way to start. So let's just say you're someone who's limited to funds and you're living hand to mouth. How would you then go about saving money if you didn't really have any? Yeah, so I mean, I get a lot of people contacting me saying, I really want to have a meeting, like I want to start financial planning. But, you know, based on that first topic we just chatted about, it's up to the clients or it's up to you to decide if you can put money away. You know, there's, especially if you work for yourself, you're not going to make the same amount of money each day. And what I've learned with my experience is for some people, I prefer not putting debit orders hanging over their head, you know, because a lot of the financial planning is debit orders. You're going to put five and rand into your retirement. You're going to put five and rand there. Your insurance is 500. And then you have to make sure and that then, that money is Exactly, exactly. And like a lot of people don't realize with debit orders is if you miss debit orders, that affects your credit score negatively. So yeah. I've had a few clients go and try buy a new car and they needed um, finance for their vehicle and they were rejected because they missed debit orders. So it's not just your little credit card that's going yeah. to help your credit score. 
So I'm very cautious when it comes to to putting those commitments, um, you know, for people. It's it's very unless you're like hundred percent capable. For sure, you know, if you're in a set salary, there's no excuse to not put away money. Like if you, you have the disposable if you have income. the disposable yeah. income. For a freelancer, especially, like, I prefer not using debit orders. There are investments that are more flexible that you can just rather EFT money whenever you want to. And mm. if you need to draw it out, it can be drawn out in two to three days. So there are solutions for, for people like that. You know, I think, especially from, like, a financial security point of view, you know, besides maybe sorting out, like, one or two small insurances and... Um, I think building a safety net is like the most important thing that anyone can do, mm-hmm. you know, to build like those three to six months of your, of your expenses in a nice safe fund that's always available to you. You don't have to do that by saving with a debit order. If you're living hand to mouth, maybe one month you make an extra two grand. That two grand you can, you can put into your unit trust and build your safety yeah, net. Yeah, fair enough. You know, so yeah, there are, there's, yeah, there's a lot of different, it's not all about the typical financial um, institutions RA is you know retirement fund is 500 rand and it yeah, must yeah. come off your account every single month because I mean if you're someone who doesn't let's say like earn enough or earn um, consistently yes. it could create a lot of anxiety and that was actually yes, yes. another question that came up and that was how to overcome financial exactly, anxiety yeah, exactly. I almost feel like that would be a point don't get a Definitely, debit order you can't commit a hundred percent so especially with my clients I keep debit orders almost to a minimum and I say to them look like it's baby steps in financial planning it's better to start today than say, oh, I'm going to start in six months. Because literally every month you miss out on, you're losing out on, on compound interest and you're losing out on getting ahead quicker. So, I mean, I, I've seen now with, with my wedding coming up, like it's also caused financial anxiety. And luckily I was fortunate enough to start saving for my wedding five years ago. Like I'm very like, you know, my little pockets. and <laughs> You like, hadn't even mentioned all yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I was like, I'm going to get married in five years, you know. Well... Yeah, but um, that's so funny. But by doing that, mm. you know, I've managed to actually pay for like the majority of the wedding myself, and it was because I started really young. I knew mm. that um, family or marriage was going to be important for me, and and I started. I think it was five hundred rand a month um, six years ago, and that just built and built and built, Amazing. and it went up every year by a little bit. And it's helped significantly. And I can only imagine. Yeah, I mean, because... And weddings are stressful enough. No, it is. It's <laughs> very, and it's expensive. It's, people underestimate, like, how expensive... This is just, like, a random... This is not, not a question related to how much you have. But yeah. in general, like, what do people spend on weddings? Oh, uh, it's... Because I feel like it's, it's kind of an amount that would maybe it, make it, me it really, sick. It, yeah, it really depends. I mean... I've got a lot of clients that have been recently married. They spent about 500,000 Rand with, with everything. I mean, if wow. you look at something like a caterer, if you've got a hundred people, so I'm not going to say exact figures, but yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> but if you, if you have a hundred people, a good, good caterer would be about seven and Rand ahead. So that's like 70 grand like that, you know, a photographer, they can be anything from 5,000 Rand to a hundred thousand Rand. Oh so, my gosh. That's I a feel, whole nother topic to talk about, like about say, budgeting I, for a wedding. I is, almost feel like I should bring Chanel yeah, on it's, and she can talk about the budgeting for yeah, the wedding. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been a massive eye-opener. I can it's only been a massive eye-opener. Okay, back to financial anxiety yeah, 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 without yeah. causing us anxiety. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of ways to, I think we, money is, is a very anxious thing, mm. you know, unfortunately, we can't live without it. it yeah. It's just how it is, you know, and uh, we, we're living in an in a economic climate where, you know, it's very rare that people are getting 10% increases in their pay every year, and inflation is, is going up every year, the cost of the coffee is going up every year, um, it's become easier to take out credit. So people are falling into debt a lot easier. So it's just like a vicious cycle. It is a major vicious cycle, a major. And, you know, people don't realize it's, it's very easy to quickly take 10 grand of credit. But then the interest you're going to be paying back on that, it's, it's, it's very hectic. So my, the, biggest, the biggest tip that I could give or something that I wish I'd learned before I started earning was try live on as little as possible every month like mm -hmm. it is so easy to get as your income goes up your lifestyle just matches it and it goes and cars and this and traveling i've had the same car for eight years so that is what i wish <laughs> i refuse to get a new car yes i mean it's it's you know before you have kids and before you buy a house you want to save as much as possible like, I wish I could have actually done that. You know, I still put a, a lot away. I have um, various yeah, portions. Yeah, you so well. I don't oh, feel like... Oh, thank you. <laughs> but, um, but I always could have done more. Do you know what I mean? And you've got to live your life. Like, I say to my clients, like, you know, you, you can't... Don't put away 50% of what you earn. Like, mm. like you've got to enjoy your life. You know, like, I love my coffees and I love going up for surf trips up the west coast it costs yeah. me money but it's that's my passion i'm not going to sacrifice that you know yeah. but there also has to be a balance you have to take it seriously you know and you can avoid a lot of that anxiety by starting as soon as possible okay because, that's a good tip yeah, yeah. Bye -bye. even if it's like you EFTing a thousand rand every three months like that's better than nothing yeah you know it's um and obviously having that financial advisor makes you more accountable. Like I, I send messages to my clients like every month. I'm like, hey, dude, how was your month? Got any money to deposit? And like it's a laugh, but they some of them have done so incredibly well because I'm constantly reminding them, you know, yeah. and I think that's what a good financial advisor does. It's not someone that's um, sort of gives you something and then you don't really hear from them. You don't see them for years and years and years because then it's more of like a, a policy was yes. sold to you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the same time, I can't constantly speak to all my clients, but I'm always there for them. Exactly. I do a lot Especially of... Especially if they check in. A hundred percent. So I try yeah. and send monthly updates that helps, you know, but yeah, there's, there's from the, from the anxiety point of view, there's a lot can be sorted out by... Just starting. just starting as soon as possible and like not letting your I life I feel like that crazy. even translates to everything in life though. 100% yeah. Like it's just that initial fear of starting anything, the fear of the unknown, like where to start, who to go to, am I doing it right? Like, And I guess when you head to any professional, whether that's your health or it's your money yeah. or it's having a kid, like I yeah. don't know, I think it's just going to the right person and Definitely. having them guide you. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. So we got asked... Um, someone wants to leave work and travel. Yeah. So and we actually spoke about this briefly. So yeah. let's, let's dive in. Yeah. So that's... Okay, I'm going to start with this. I believe that our generation is going to have one of the worst retirement pension crises ever. 
Really? Because I've been doing a lot of research also, especially with entrepreneurs and them not wanting to save for retirement and people wanting to travel and, you know, like the mm. whole YOLO life. And people are starting to save a lot later in life than our parents did. And like even our parents, like some of them are, didn't save enough at all. You know, they can retire with like three, four million rand and they're like, oh, I've got four million rand. Like, look, I'm not going to say it's nothing. It is money, right? But that's going to have to last for like 20 years if not more. And with medical advancements, like people are living longer and longer, you know, so it's going to be interesting. When are we going to actually retire? How much money are we going to need to retire? Yeah, well, as a, that's scary. I mean, as, as a rule, as a rule of thumb, because I've got, I've got a lot of pensioner clients. I've, I've ended up meeting a lot of my, um, my clients, parents and look after their pension money. And a rule of thumb is you can probably draw about 5,000 Rand a month per million rand in capital that you have and make that last for the next 20 years. So even on like 5 million rand, that's 25 grand a month. If you, if you've, if you retired and you've still got a bond and you've still got groceries and depending how many people in the household, you know, yeah, it it's, might, it's not really sustainable. Exactly. Kind of. Exactly. So, um, mm-hmm. just coming back to the whole traveling thing, um, I know when you work a set salary job, you know, a lot of the companies, they give you a provident fund and a provident fund is the only retirement investment vehicle that you can access before 55 and you can access it when you leave a company. Please do not cash out your provident fund. Like your provident fund is there for a reason. Retirement money should only be accessed at 55. It is so easy to take it. And it might be 20 grand, 30 grand and go spend it and have a cool holiday. That's amazing, you know. Mm. But to replenish that 30 grand at the time that you contributed it, it's not ever going to be possible. Because that money was saved over the last two or three years. Yeah. And that's, you're basically going to throw away a major amount of time and compound interest on that 30 grand. If you left 30 grand right now until 55 and it got say it grew by 10% a year, I, I, I should probably run it through my calculator, but it would grow dramatically, mm. you know, and it has become so easy. And I know that they're actually wanting to close that loophole of allowing people to access their problem funds. I feel like they should, even they, though... 100% like, they should, you know, of course. I think the problem, though, is when life happens. 100%, yeah. And then people only have that to go yes. to. Let's say, like, a huge health scare or... They get retrenched or know, something, and then sure. they go into that. Like, as you, have, as a financial advisor, like that must be quite a tricky it is situation it, because it's like ethics versus fact. Yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So that is just going back to the whole importance of the financial plan. There's so many aspects of a financial plan. Yeah, you can't just have a provident fund. You can't just have life insurance. Yeah, you can't just have an education policy you almost or have a property. To have- you Multiple. have to have a little bit of everything, mm. you know, it's like for me, I have risk cover because of exactly. my industry. Yes. A hundred percent. So if I break my arm or my leg and I can't physically do my job anymore, I'm covered. Exactly. exactly. And those are things that I mean, I didn't even think of. I was like, I just need medical aid. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, you know, I, I love investments. I've always loved investments. The, the reason I went into the industry is my uncle was a, a very big share trader and he taught me a lot, but and in the beginning, I was like, investments, 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 insurance, like, nah, like, mm. waste of money, you know, whatever. But 
the biggest aspect of my business now, besides in, besides investments, is insurance, yeah. is income protection, is disability cover. Yeah. And for the couple hundred rand a month that you're going to pay for that. So people will spend like a thousand rand a month on insuring their car. But then they say to me, there's no way I'm going to take that cover for 500 rand. And I'm like, what happens to you if you can't work for the rest of your life? Yeah. You're not even going to be able to pay for your car insurance. You're not going to be able to drive your car, maybe. A hundred percent. So, and... You know, I think it's very easy for people to think it's never going to happen to me. Until it happens. Until it happens. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's... Look, I've paid out numerous claims. I paid out my first cancer claim uh, last year. The girl was 26 years old. Stage 3 breast cancer. We got her paid out about 500,000 rand. And if it wasn't for that, she would have been financially broken. She would, mm. So, you never know when it's going to happen. I'm yeah. On that topic, on the insurance topic, I don't think you need to spend, you need to have 10 million rand life cover. And yeah. Because a lot of the advisors and brokers, they'll come sell you a big insurance policy because that's where the commission is made. Mm. But when you're young, just get the basics. That's all you need. Yeah. And then and focus. It goes back to the, the point of just starting. 100%. Yeah. Just starting. Yeah. So, yeah, with a, sorry, just to, just to no, 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 recap that, just to recap that Provident Fund, like, look, some people are going to access their provident funds. They're going to get the lump sum. If you have done that already, please consider investing at least half of whatever you've pulled out and putting it into an investment that you sh don't really need to access for the next 10 to 15 years because then at least it's something. Yeah. But preferably with provident funds, don't cash it out. Put it into a vehicle called the Provident Preserver. That's, we do a lot of those and the money is just preserved until 55 and continues to grow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like that's, that's the ideal way Definitely, to move yeah. forward. Definitely. So, um, I feel like we should have followed this question earlier on, but, yeah. um, we got asked how to set up a monthly budget and keep it updated. So the monthly budget, I feel like you did explain, Yes. but then keeping it updated, yeah. I'm not sure if yeah. there's any more to add to that. Yeah. So, I mean, in our household, we do that, the... We get our bank statements every three months, and mm -hmm. we do it every three months. Okay. So, and then we compare. So the same process. Yeah, the same process every three months, and then we come. We keep all the old budgets we've done, and we see how we've progressed. And mm -hmm. um, what I normally do is, like, as soon as I feel I've been spending too much money, I try open another little investment. So, like, not every month, but a few times of the year, I'll just say, "Yeah, I can. You can save another five and rand. I open another little five and rand debit order. So okay. because. The cool thing about debit orders is once that money's gone, it's gone. Yeah. And I can't spend it. You yeah. know, so it's annoying, but it... It's again, accountability it, for yourself. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. your financial advisor is a debit order. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love that. So, so yeah, just continuously updating um, that budget, downloading the three months bank statements, highlighting. You don't have to do it every month. You can do it bi-annually, but yeah, yeah I'm just very like you know like a robot so <laughs> i try to do it as much as possible okay next question and i'm actually quite curious myself because luke and i were and are still thinking about potentially investing in the house that we're in now but like i said we want to spend a winter in here and we yeah. want to sit, like kind of yeah. feel it out yeah. so we got asked is property still a good investment yeah so i mean this is it's it's probably one of the biggest topics because i I believe that our, you know, our parents' generation, it was very much buy property and mm. retire. And like, that's the only investment and that's the best investment. So I do think property is a good investment. Um, Chanel and I, 
we, we bought a place recently as a primary residence, okay? As an investment, I'm not the biggest fan of property because it is going to come with potential headaches, like nightmare tenants. Chanel and I watch this show called like on Netflix, Slum Landlords Nightmare Tenants, <laughs> like she loves it. But, but it's true, you know, so... Um, as a primary residence, buying your home to live in, I believe it's far better paying a bond that you into a house that you own mm. than paying rent. Renting has become more attractive because it's a lot cheaper than paying a bond. So about three years ago, or two and a half years ago, the property market took a massive, massive dive. I mean, I was looking at the data about a week ago, and I think last year was minus 37%. So it's literally fallen off like a cliff. The, the property market. But at the same time, now there's a lot of opportunities to buy. You know, so we yeah, got a, so we, it's like a yeah, catch so, 22. Exactly. So we got an awesome deal. So we're very happy. But um, look, I think as part of a diversified financial plan and portfolio, 100% there's, there's, a, there's room for property. I believe a primary residence is, is important. It's somewhere you're going to live. Um, you're not necessarily going to flip it immediately. And the one thing that a lot of people don't realize in property is things like transfer costs, is things like bond registration. So many unknown so costs. So many unknown costs. Yeah. We, we wanted to paint the walls. Chanel wanted to paint the walls. It's, there's a lot of things you don't think of, mm. you know. Now, imagine having all those costs, but you're relying on someone else to pay you every month. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of things that, that people don't realize with property. Um, also, from a tax point of view, as an investment property, it's extremely tax abusive because you paying, you know, whatever rental someone's paying you, that's your income. So you have to pay tax on that rental income you get. Oh my gosh. So you pay at your tax table. So if you tax the 25% and you're, you're getting 10 grand a month from your flat, you're only netting seven and a half, seven and a half thousand rand. A lot of people don't realize that. If yeah. you sell that investment property, there's capital gains tax. So you only have a 40,000 Rand exclusion in the year of selling it. So say your property has grown by 100,000 Rand in value, mm. you're going to pay tax on the 60,000 Rand. So as a primary, what? yeah, it's a, this is now from an investment property or secondary property point of view. In a primary residence, you have an exclusion. So you don't okay. have to worry about paying too much tax from a, on a yeah. primary residence. Yeah. But it's something to consider um, when you're looking at property Making it an income almost. exactly yeah. exactly i'm not saying it's bad I, i'm no, just be aware of like be your aware. choice be aware of it and you know if something really goes wrong and you can't make those payments that that house is being uh, repossessed so i mean part of the reason i'm so passionate about my job is my father retired very young. He retired at 41. He sold his business for a lot of money. And yeah. I was like a little brat in the waterfront every Saturday, like, man, one computer game, you know, like going crazy. And we lived in this like huge house and we had all these cars and he didn't really work for a few years. He made one or two very bad financial decisions. He never had a financial advisor. And the our irony. Yeah, it's crazy. Eh? And our family was bankrupt. So we actually had our houses repossessed. The only thing that they didn't take was his retirement fund because by law, no one's allowed to take that away from you. So I've seen what it's been like to be at the top and to be literally living with my grandfather in, yeah. a, in a three bedroom house, you know, the whole family all together. So 
Um, I think that's maybe what also aids in you being successful as an advisor because yeah, you can so. see both sides. For sure, yeah. And you can sure. be like, there are pros and cons to both. Exactly. But there's always a better way exactly. to handle exactly. your money. For no sure. matter how rich or how humble yeah. your pay is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's also, you know, a lot of advisors, they have like a minimum investment amount and they only work with certain people. Mm. I don't do that. Like, I will treat everyone the same. My biggest client is... Well, in the tens of millions that I manage, and my smallest client has got an insurance policy for two hundred rand a month. Yeah. But maybe one day the 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 guy with a two hundred rand a month insurance policy becomes a guy with a hundred million rand. Yeah. So it's yeah. I think I think like in any in any profession. I mean, even with you, you're good at what you do because you're passionate and you want to help people. Mm. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. Exactly. You know. So um. So yeah. I don't know how we got there from, no, pro- I know, I from know. property. <laughs> I, get, I get very excited, so I talk a lot. Okay, let's move on to the okay, next question. Cool. We've got three more. Cool. I think we're going quite nicely through this. Okay, cool. what should I do with the money in my bank to save for the future? So okay. this person, I'm assuming, has money in their actual bank yeah. and not in an investment. Yeah, for sure. So this is also it's a really <laughs> big topic because there's not, an, obviously, you know, like I said earlier, there's not enough education on investing in mm. South Africa or in the world. So I meet people, I meet parents with like 3 million, 2 million, 10 million rand sitting in their bank X money markets account, yeah. you know, and it's doing 6.8%. And I'm like, oh my word, it's been here for like four years. <laughs> and with like a proper investment account, like a, a unit trust account, Alan Gray or Stan Lib or whoever it is, even the safest fund might do 8.5%. So I try encourage people to move away from the banks from a saving point of view. The banks offer you simple interest and mm-hmm. not compound interest. Compound interest is interest upon interest. So every day that interest is going to grow on the, the previous day amount. A bank is going to give you simple interest. You're going to give them 100 grand. They're going to say, we'll give you 7%. You're going to get 7,000 rand. You're not going to get 7% on 7% on... And okay, going so forward. Mean, yeah, yeah. So it's incredibly important that people are aware of investing outside of their bank. It's incredibly important that people are aware of simple interest and compound interest. There's thousands of portfolios, okay? But especially in that safe from that safety net point of view, you just want to be in something conservative that's going to make more than the bank. I try, look, I believe, and Chanel and I are the same, I like keeping a month of my expenses in my bank account. I like it because mm. if something happens, I quickly have money, you know, da-da-da, emergency, sort something out. Any money over that amount is sitting in my unit trust account. My unit trust account I can draw out in two days. Yeah. And it's earning 8.5% a year, which is at least 1.5% more than a bank's going to so offer So to put it in perspective, let's just say someone has 10,000 rand in their simple interest Yes. Bank account. Yeah. They then move that into a compound interest. Yeah. What would the difference be after a month or after six months or something like that? Yes. Like, so, so there would be a dramatic difference because a week after you've deposited the money into a unit trust account, that's going to have compound growth already. It's daily compounding on each other. So it's hard to work out the exact okay. figure, but there's almost no way 
that you can compare simple interest versus compound oh, really? interest. Like even Albert, I think it was Albert Einstein, he said compound interest is like the eighth wonder of the world. You know, he's like so mystical. <laughs> I love him. And the eighth wonder. Of yeah, the world. he's like. I think there's another thing he says like those who I can't remember. I'm, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, send yeah. it to you. But okay, it's, cool. Yeah. So you want to look. I mean, having some money in your bank's cool, but I wouldn't go to the banks to invest your money, especially for the future. Yeah. It's banks scary. are banks are also not going to offer you portfolios with shares and property and other sorts of assets in well, it. Well, they want to keep the money yeah. with them. Yeah. So because I mean, they, that's just my understanding. One hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I mean, any investment comes with time horizons. A bank's not going to be able to offer you the exposure, or maybe some of them do, but not going to necessarily be able be able to offer you exposure exposure to the share markets, foreign shares, property, which are all traditionally more longer-term investments which can grow dramatically but be more risky they're going mm. to give you a simple interest-bearing account you know their fixed deposits or their money markets or, or whatnot so once again it's important to speak to someone who knows about portfolios and offshore mm. equity and local property and all that to be able to put your money in the best place for the best growth possible yeah. based on time horizons um just a quick break to say that if you hear whining, it's Honey and Vader. Dude. Sorry about that. They are in the next room. All right. So we got asked how much of your salary should be you be saving each month? Yeah. So I, this is always such a difficult conversation with people because, you know, when we do all our studying and all these courses, it's always that the textbooks always say you should save 15% of your monthly income into a retirement fund and 10% into a short term fund. And your all your insurances combined should make up five to 10% of your income. There's all these like metrics. Mm -hmm. But realistically what i've realized is we don't we live in a time now where it's very very difficult to even put away 20 percent of what we earn every month yeah i even struggle with it because expenses go up cost of goods go up you've got services that are easier than ever to subscribe to your netflix and your show max and all this cell phones and, and all that so for me when i'm meeting someone in the beginning literally anything is better than nothing i love that yeah like even if it's like 500 rand a month that you can start yeah. for your retirement start it now don't wait yeah. until you can afford to put 10 percent or 15 percent of your income into retirement that's not it's that's not going to get you far at all starting as soon as possible building up those those um, habits of of financial planning becoming more savvy and aware of your money that's what's mm -hmm. going to get you further so i try to stay away from saying you should put 15 percent into your retirement fund and 10 percent into yeah. a unit trust it's it's very based um upon the individual and that's also why so i must just say this as like a disclaimer this can't be seen as advice because financial advice it's is so, so it's so personal like yeah. i mean when i meet someone the first hour or the first time i meet them is just to get to know them and analyze where they are financially. I can't yeah. just meet someone and say, oh yeah, cool, let's just like do a thousand rand for a time and da 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 da, da. You know, it has to be a thought out process that has to be nurtured and monitored as time goes on. Yeah, no, agreed. Because I mean, I can even say coming from someone who works for myself, my income is never the same each For time. sure, yeah, for sure. So some months I'm having to have a lot of advice because I could be in a really sticky situation. Yes, exactly. Especially when I had an assistant. Like, yes. That was... 
really, really stressful yeah, financially. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, on the Netflix um, yeah. thing, I have a really good tip, and this was not on purpose. Yeah. I lost my bank card. Okay. Just change your bank card every six months. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> And yeah. you will see how much things you subscribe to with the touch of your freaking finger. Yeah, it's crazy. On the iTunes account. Yeah, it's crazy. Just actually go get a new bank card and then you'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. It's wild. No, I mean, it's become easier than ever. Like, even, like, we moved into our new home and the fiber wasn't ready and I was using mobile data. And like, oh, how scary is that? I think I bought, like, 50 gigs of data yeah. in January. And, I like, it cost me spent, thousands. Yeah. And it's like... I spent rent basically yeah, 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 yeah. the first month we were here. And it's, they make it so damn easy yeah. to buy stuff. They're like, log onto our app and just buy more data. I'm like, okay. Convenience. <laughs> yes, master. <laughs> you know, and it's... It's so true. It's yeah, scary it's that you really say that. But scary, yeah. honestly, the phones dictate so much. Oh, uh, yeah. From how we spend our money uh, yeah. to the accessibility of yeah. it. It's, yeah, yeah, it's actually it's, so scary. Yeah, it is. And I mean, and that's basically what the next generation is going into, which I think this next... And last question fits so well in, yeah. and that is best place to invest your child's education. Yeah, so I mean, Jeevas, uh, as I was saying just before I started, like children, people really need to think about if they are ready to have kids. Not just from like an emo- I can't talk because I don't have any, but not mm. just from an emotional point of view, but from a financial point of view. A child, so I've been doing a lot of research on, on education um, costs and the rise in education costs for, for a project, another project of mine. And I, I worked it out that if your child is going to grade one today or this year mm. and you're going to put them through a, a normal private school um, until the end of a university degree, like a UCT degree, you would need 3.6 million rand as capital to just pay for their school fees. So that's not clothes. That's not clothes. Food. That's not food. That's not extra murals. That's not toys. That's not life. That's purely for education. A public school is obviously a bit less. A public school came out to about 2.1, 2.2 million rand, but which is still like, off. no, it's not far off at all. Mm. You know, so what I try to do. I actually, met, I actually had a clients, clients yesterday that just had a, a baby, a beautiful baby boy. And I said to them, the best thing you can do is open a short-term saving account for them, which they can use, which you can use for them when they are, are seven years or six years old going to their first year of school. And the other investment for their education or their, their university education would be a tax-free savings account. So I try to recommend two different investments for, for, um, for the child. And both of those investments have the option of, of people being able to contribute into as one source. So for example, my client's granddad yesterday wants to, or his, his dad wants to deposit money into the child's unit trust fund. He has that's access perfect. To he it. has access. He can do a 5,000 Rand transfer and there it is. It's allocated in the child's name. So I think... You know, sometimes kids come unplanned. It's it happens every day, right? Yeah. So so um, but I must say, if you are planning to have one, speak to a financial advisor about the implications and what's going to be necessary. Because obviously, you want to give this child the best possible life and the mm. best possible future. You know. Yeah. So it is a major topic at the moment, uh, and yeah, it's very important to sit down with a professional. Or you do what. I had to do, and that was work since I was 13. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and I mean, that's 
I'll say from my experience, like I'm, I'm grateful because it's yes. taught me amazing work ethic yes, and for sure. I'm very driven and I can say that with pride. But even when I was speaking to my psychiatrist last week, she was yeah. like, what you don't realize is your brain doesn't realize your body and your brain don't realize the fact that you've been working. Yeah. You've been an adult since you were basically yeah, 16. For sure. You're now 29. That's a lot of years to always be working in like being in a headspace of like survival yes almost. 100% yeah and that's also a decision that you as a parent I guess would need to be aware of is yeah. that the implications of potentially make not making but you're you're you having to work at quite a young age as yeah, well because there be. isn't finance to um do for the education which is what I want yeah for sure and I know that's that's very touchy and there's no, so many I mean, like aspects to it I, and I can fully relate like just from what our family went through like you know we had nothing like our grandpa was floating us and we lived in his house for three years you know um, so it also taught me I was like whoa this doesn't make any sense like I always got what I wanted you know and I've had to yeah. I don't understand and um yeah I mean obviously how that's affected you know, I'm also very open about my mental health. That's a whole nother topic, which I enjoy talking about. But um, you want to obviously give your child the best possible future. Mm. And because money is so important, and I like to say fortunately and unfortunately, it's very important to to plan out the financial future for that child. Yeah, it's and educate them a hundred percent because it does affect their life it does affect their future their decisions they might make the way they even move through this hundred percent hundred percent the jobs yeah. they choose to go into yeah exactly it's, it's so multi like faceted it's, Definitely. it's crazy i mean i must actually sorry to interrupt you no, no, I, no. I must actually say like um what i've realized in my five or six years of working as a financial planner i've almost become like a part psychologist I because imagine. I know everything that goes on in my client's life. They don't always talk to me just about money. It's, it's to figure out, you know, what is, Pierre, what's your opinion on my relationship? What's, what's your mm. opinion on buying this new car? What's your opinion on my mom's financial um, situation? You know, and I, just going back to that accountability, it, it is so important to find someone and also many other professionals, like your personal trainer, your psychologist. I'm personal trainer slash psychiatrist. Yeah, exactly. Psychologist. Exactly. It's, it's, a, it's very important to have those people in your life. Very, very important. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I don't say that to take away from those who are qualified. But like you said, you end up being someone who helps people navigate choices and emotions yeah. and just energy, basically. Definitely. It, it's a, it's it's so much more than just like, oh, this is what I do. Definitely, definitely. Um, so I always end off with one question, which yeah. again has filtered in so nicely with this last one. And that is, what would you tell your 16-year-old self today? Oh, well, <laughs> if I'd known the value of compound interest, I would have done anything to open my first investment when I was 16 years old. My, my brother's a few years younger than me. I pay for his retirement fund. Oh, wow. And the reason I've done that is because none of his friends have. But now, because I've been contributing to it for about four years, he is so far ahead of the curve than anyone else. Mm. And I almost, I'm, I'm actually on quite a big mission to try to figure out how I can actually coach teens on, on money. Because unfortunately, the world has, and schooling, they, they're not teaching you about the most important things in life. Like yeah. tax, you know, as boring as it, as it is, 
hashtags and no, investing. No, I have no idea. Yeah, like, exactly. I yeah. literally have no idea what I'm doing. Exactly. So, and I, I just really wish there was more education around, around like, just practical life skills. Yeah. You know, if I'd known when I earned my first bit of money when I was modeling 10 years ago, if I knew that I could put away 20% of that first paycheck into a little unit trust and try and not touch it until six or seven years down the line, down the line it may have significantly helped where I'm at, even mm. if it was only a little bit of money. Because yeah. it's not just about investing and making money, it's about building good habits. And I was going to say on that, building confidence. 100%, yeah. Like confidence definitely. in the promises you've kept to yourself. The yes. Tr- the the way that you navigate money, how you use it, yes, understanding yes. it, for the sure, education, for like sure. the confidence that comes with that when you're moving through life, I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah, for like, sure. The benefits. I mean, I mean even, even myself, and I, I've been so diligent with my own financial planning for so long, I still wish I could have started earlier. It's, mm. and, and it's not because you necessarily want to be like loaded and like, you know, be super rich and like have a plane and all that stuff. But it's just like, you actually start enjoying it. I enjoy it. It's not that I've, I've got certain investments. It's just like, I'm so happy that I've managed to instill those habits. Yeah. You know, and I, my, my greatest wish is, is for other people to also learn that, you mm. know. And I think it'll just, people will avoid so many problems by, by doing this stuff right and by doing it as soon as possible. You know, it really is like, yeah, I've got a lot of ideas and... I think Businesses you definitely. Working on no, I definitely think you're going to make a huge impact. Oh, I hope so. Thank you. you. Will. Thank you I very much. I think you've even made one today. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in. Bye. Bye. Hey everyone! Thank you for listening to this podcast. I want to listen to you too. So if you have any questions or ideas of dream guests, I'm all ears. I'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned for the answers to your questions and to hear your dream guests on this podcast. Send your questions and requests to candice.buddington at gmail.com and I look forward to connecting with you on a much deeper level. Bye.